0: When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. Now he told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Amen. Why don't you spend the, I'm just, I need to organize myself, so why don't you spend the first 60 seconds, why was that funny? (laughs) Um, Why don't you spend the next 60 seconds turning to somebody next to you and asking them, what's the biggest decision they've ever made? Okay, go. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for humoring me and doing that. Um, The reason why I asked you to do that is because what I'm going to speak about, what I think our passage speaks about, is it, it talks about making a decision. It talks about the impact of what making that decision has and how we should respond, how we live as a response to that decision that we've made. Now, um, for those of us who come to church quite regularly, who maybe would call ourselves a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, of course your answer to that question was, when I became a Christian, right? (laughs) Cool? Obviously, obviously that's what you said. and, and if, if, if you're kind of new to church or this stuff is relatively new or you feel like you've never really made that decision or ever, you get a free pass. You could have said whatever you wanted. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. And the reason I'm going to talk about that is because I do think it's the most important decision you could ever make. Whether you go one way or the other, it's the most important. And we're celebrating tonight, we're baptizing a couple of people, and it's so exciting and that's so amazing. And what a baptism basically is, is a public declaration of a decision that they have made to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus with all of their lives. They want to publicly get in some water and show you that they are serious about this thing, about following Jesus. I believe it's the most important thing. So we're going to look at that. We're going to go a little bit verse by verse. Uh, I'm going to land it uh, around about eight o'clock, so you can all try and time me. Uh, and then we're going to worship a bit and respond to that, because I believe that God is alive and speaking to us. Uh, and then we're going to baptize these guys, and we're going to celebrate together. So, let's jump into the passage. So Jesus sends out the twelve. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Who are the twelve? The twelve are the disciples. You see, the uh, the word disciple um, in the original Greek, the New Testament, is, is written in this kind of ancient Greek called Koine Greek. And in the original Greek, that word disciple, that word um, uh, for describing a follower of Jesus, it's um, matheti- uh, mathetis. mathetis. And, uh, and what it means is to be a follower of Jesus, means to be a disciple. It's, it's said in the New Testament 239 times, it's said a lot, that word, that word of, of follower, to be a follower of Jesus. The word Christian comes up three times. That's really important. In fact, the word Christian wasn't even a word that the disciples gave each other. That was a word that the enemies of the disciples of Jesus gave them. It means little Christ. It was supposed to be uh, sarcastic, derogatory. They much preferred to talk about being a follower. And I think the important onus there... Is that often we can say, look, I'm a Christian. These guys, they'll come out of the water and they'll be like, I'm, I, I I've made this decision to follow Jesus, but now I've been baptized. I'm like fully a Christian now, and all of us around us can be like, well, they're Christians now, so they've got it sorted. They know, they know their Bibles inside and out. They know every verse, right? Every single verse, line by line. No problems. That I could come and ask them a question, and especially those who, who, who aren't Christians, they can come to these guys and they can say, look, oh, I've got some questions about God. You know all the answers, don't you, Claire? Yeah, Solis. She's nodding her head. Great. See, that's what happens. You become a Christian and you're fixed. That's it. It's done. But Jesus never really said that's how it works. Jesus says, "Come, come follow me. Come on a journey. You see, that word for disciple is actually all about being a learner and being a doer. It's absolutely true that these guys, when they decided to follow Jesus, when they said, I I want to follow Jesus, it's absolutely true that Jesus took them completely at their word, that their whole life changed, and in a way that is irreversible. But the truth of the matter is is that when they come out of the water, they they still need to follow Jesus. it's, It's one foot in front of the other. It's a journey of learning and doing. And I think that's an important onus. So these guys are disciples, and if, and if you believe in Jesus, if you've made that decision, you follow Jesus, you're a disciple too, I'm a disciple too. So what does it mean to be a disciple? What does that look like? Well, Jesus says that you've got power and authority. You've got power and authority. That word for power is dunamis. It's where we get dynamite from. That power that he's given you is like explosive, It's huge. It has a great impact. It's loud. Everybody is drawn to this power. It's power that doesn't come from us. It's power that comes from God. We're given that power, and it's enormous. It's power to do miracles. It's power to do the things that Jesus does. He's given to us that power. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to have that kind of power. What does it also mean? It means to have authority, exousia, exusia is a picture of like a court, a courtroom. You've been given authority. Like the sheriff courts in Scotland, you, you, it's like you've become a sheriff. And now you represent, in that you, as a sheriff in the sheriff court, you represent the state. You represent the law of the state. You're speaking on behalf of the state, on behalf of Scotland. But when Jesus has given you power, who you, who, who, whose authority do you have? Where does that come from? Who are you speaking on behalf of? He says that, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That authority, that exousia, is is not of any other worldly state, but it's of the kingdom of God. You now, as a disciple of Jesus, you've got power, explosive power, to do amazing things, but you've also now got authority to speak and act on behalf of the kingdom. And when I hear that word kingdom, I start to think, okay, so kingdom's about territory, It's about, if there's a kingdom, there has to be a king. But what else do we know about a kingdom? Well, the primary requirement of a kingdom is citizenship. So if I'm going to be uh, uh, acting on behalf of a kingdom, I need to be a citizen of that kingdom. I.e., if I'm going to say I'm from somewhere, I've got to be a citizen of that place, right? Everyone's talking about citizenship at the moment, Brexit, all that kind of stuff. Where are you from? Where are you going to get a passport from? Laura's trying to get a passport from Republic of Ireland as well as North so that she can benefit. Um. So, if you're going to have authority of the kingdom of God, well, that means being a disciple of Jesus makes you a citizen of the kingdom of God. Makes you a citizen. That when you decide, when these guys decide, actually, I want to follow Jesus, what happened was they became, instead of a citizen of the world, instead of a citizen of their own ideas of how to live and walk, uh, instead of all of that stuff, they go, no, I've journeyed and done all sorts of different things, but now I'm going to take a different journey. And that journey leads me to being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. And when you are a citizen of that kingdom, you get rights and you get responsibilities. Just like being a citizen of anywhere. And your right to being a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have right to power, you have right to authority. But it's interesting that word power as well, it's not just about doing things, it's about receiving. There's a double translation of that word, Dunamis. And the other translation speaks about um, it. Speaks about excellence of the soul, having moral power. So when you're a citizen of, of heaven, a citizen of God, being a follower of Jesus, you don't just suddenly have all this power to do amazing stuff, but you now have power to be molded and shaped, to learn, to have excellence of the soul. I love that phrase because It's kind of ethereal, it's not not super literal, but I kind of get it. I hear excellence of the soul and I think, oh there's peace there, there's rest, there's joy. I hear things like moral power and I think, I think making right decisions that don't hurt me, that don't hurt others. I think about walking in that way and that leads us to responsibilities. You have a responsibility as a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have responsibilities to when every single day you are faced with questions and opportunities to choose to be a disciple of another way of life, you have to choose to be a disciple of Jesus. This is a cool baptismal pool. It's actually heated. I got baptised in Loch Ness in April, not this year, like many years ago. That wasn't heated. Um, it was way cooler than this, however. And Loch Ness is huge. It was massive. And I thought, this is brilliant, okay? Because I'm, I, you know, when, I, when I was walking down the beach on Dawes Beach to get baptised, I'm, I'm thinking of all the things I'm leaving behind. You know, all the ways of living that I'm leaving behind. All of the sin, the brokenness, the selfishness, the insecurity, the hurt, the temptation, all of that stuff, the things that I struggle with. I'm like, great, I'm going I'm to get dunked in the in Loch Ness, and it's so deep, and it's so vast, it's going to sink to the bottom, I'm going to come up, and I'm going to be free. Christian, nailed it, no problem. And what happened was, is I got out of the water, and as you guys will get out of the water in a bit, and spoiler it's going to be amazing. But tomorrow, or maybe the day after, or maybe the day after that, you're still going to be faced with some of the same temptations. You're still going to struggle with some of the same things. You may even make some of the same bad decisions. And I don't say that to, to, to ruin your excitement. I just say that because I think what's important to recognize here is that being a follower of Jesus isn't about nailing it and making it perfect and being perfect. It's about following Jesus. Every single day, every single minute of every single day, I'm faced with a question, am I going to be a follower of Jesus or am I going to be a follower of something else, my own ambition, my own ideas, something else that looks shiny, feels good, smells good, tastes good, whatever it is, am I going to choose that or am I going to be a follower of Jesus? You guys made that big decision for the first time at some point in your journeys, and that was amazing. And some of us here have also done that, however recent or long ago. But part of being a Christian is about every single day making that decision again and again and again. Because that's relationship, that's journey, that's being a disciple. So you've got power to do amazing things, but you've got power also to journey, be molded, to learn, not just do. And you've got authority, authority to act and speak on behalf of the kingdom. And who's our king? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. See, the twelve are gathered around him and they're, and they're going, okay, okay, tell us what to do, tell us what to do. And he's saying, I'm the king, it's me. You listen to my voice, you follow my way. The world will steal kill and destroy everything that you can think of. You will be convinced that if you do one thing and, or if you chase that thing or if you, if you just attain that one more thing or, or whatever it is, job, ambition, sex, drugs, whatever, or even more subtle than that, or if I, if I choose to say it in this particular way, then I'll get my way. Or if I express this emotion in the way that I feel like I should express it, then that's the right thing to do because it will feel good. But Jesus says, no, 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 that will always leave you more without than with, more empty than full. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And here's a promise He says, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. There's a promise in there. He's saying, this journey is wild. This journey that you're going on following me. It's going to take a lot, and you're going to feel like you're going to need to give a lot, and you're going to need to have a lot in order to survive. But Jesus says, When you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, and I'm the king, you don't need anything. I'll give you all that you need. I'm the provider, I'm the helper. Jesus promises that the stuff that he lists are like it's like financial security. It's like, it's like bread, the things that, that nourish us and feed us, like the things that our, our daily wants, our daily needs, our daily must-haves. But Jesus says, no, 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 I am the provider. So being a disciple means when you follow me, you have all that you need. You are left with, not without. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet. And it's a really interesting verse, that, because so often, if, if you've read much of the Bible or what Jesus has said, so often it's so like, he's just so zen and peaceful, and he's like, yeah, come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And you're like, yeah, I love that Jesus. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, go and tell, my, go, go, go tell people the good news and bring more people to the party. And if they say no, shake the dust off your feet. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> okay, Jesus. But there's something deeper happening there because he's speaking to Jewish people in Jewish culture. And that picture of shaking dust off your feet, it was all about when, when Jewish people entered into pagan lands, which basically meant uh, places where they didn't worship their God. Okay? Places where the culture was different and it didn't align with their beliefs and values. If you enter into those places, you need to shake the dust off your feet. Because that kind of stuff rubs off and it's not good. It makes you unclean. You need to clean yourself. And the whole thing about being Jewish was about you inherited being God's chosen people. Just by birthright, you were born into being God's chosen people. So these guys, these 12, they were born knowing that they were, they were Jewish. They were sorted. They were all good. They had their label. They were like, we're done, it's no problem. We can live however we want to live. We can do whatever we want to do because we are always covered. We're Jewish. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. no. This, this, this isn't a thing that you just, you're born and it's in your bloodline. It's actually all to do, not with your blood, but my blood. And because of my blood, which I've, I, I spill for you, for us, for me, it means I get to make a decision now and I have to make a decision. I have to make the most important decision there is. Am I going to be a follower of Jesus? Or am I going to follow something else? A decision I make daily. So you have to choose, you have to choose, you have to choose. But here's the thing about that decision. Is that so often I don't choose that. Right? Right? So often we don't choose that. And like, I can't be the only one. Please don't be the only one. <laughs> Sometimes we don't choose that. You know, I, I made I you know, my parents tell me I made that decision to be a Christian. I, I said to my parents, I want to be a Christian when I was like four years old. That was awesome. And for all of us, it's a different time, different place, different age, whatever. And there's always that first moment. Oh, I I I think I think I wanna do this thing, right? But so often since then, I have chosen other paths. I've been tempted, I've listened to another voice, or I've listened to another way, or I've felt differently, and I've just gone, actually, that's easier, or it looks nicer, or it feels better, I'm going that way. What happens then? So the, uh, Jesus shakes the dust off, his, uh, dust off his feet with me? I'm rejected? I don't think that's what happens. Actually, I know that's not what happens. I know that from first-hand experience, but I know also because Jesus said it. Jesus tells this other story in the Gospels, and it's called The Prodigal Son, and I'm sure lots of us have heard it, and if you haven't heard it, um, we do this thing uh, during our service uh, called Prayer Ministry, and it happens kind of over here. And um, it's an opportunity to just go and be prayed for, to go and stand with somebody to be prayed for. If you've never done it, I highly recommend it. Um, but it's also an opportunity to go in and, and, and meet somebody who, who believes all this stuff passionately, and they can stand with you in whatever you're going through, good or bad or whatever. And if you've never actually heard the prodigal son's story, go over there and ask somebody about it. Uh, we don't have time to go through it. But basically, the snapshot is this, right? I'll kind, of, I'll, I'll kind of change it a bit, change it up a little bit, but the snapshot is basically it's about me, okay? The story's all about me, so I'm going to talk about me for a little bit. And the story is basically it's the prodigal Josh, Right? And what happens is me, my dad's called Pete, so me and my dad, and my dad loves me and I know he loves me and he's a provider and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I've got this amazing inheritance for you and I want to look after you and I've got, you know, you're going to be safe with me and just trust me and I've got all this stuff I want to give to you. And I'm like, cool, I want it now. It's 2019. I'm 26, millennial, entitled. I want everything. I want it now. I want it quickly. uh, That's the only way I'll take it. Give it to me now. He goes, okay. He goes, fine you can have it. I leave the family home. I go, fine, I've got all that I wanted. I don't need you anymore. I'm out. I go. I spend my inheritance. I make a load of decisions that leave me more without than with. I find myself more empty than full. And suddenly I get so low, not just low financially or low. uh, I get low emotionally. I get low spiritually. I get low. uh, I'm low. I'm really low. I'm full of shame and full of guilt. I've really, really squandered this. I've really screwed up. I've got to go back. I'll go back. I'll go back. I have to go back. So I think I go back. Um, that's cool, but he's going to be mad. And uh, when Pete's mad, it's scary. And uh, he's, he's going to call me Joshua, not Josh. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, uh, he's going to shout at me, and maybe, um, maybe I'm going to I'm gonna have to beg. I mean, how is he going to take me back? I have completely rejected him. And I get to it, at my parents' house in Inverness. Um, we've got like a little driveway. And when you're sitting in the front room looking out the window, you can see who's at the end of the drive. And, um, and I, I'm, you know, I get to the driveway. And I, can see, I see my dad through the window. He sees me. And I'm like, okay, here we go, here we go. And he cranks the window open. And he's mad. And he's like shouting and pointing at me. And he's like, I knew you'd be back. I knew you'd screw up. You've always been a screw up. I could never trust you. Why did I do this? You, you're, not, you're not coming. Don't come down the drive. You're not coming. At least that's what I think is going to happen. And I picture that and I see him and I've locked eyes. And instead, he runs to the door, he runs out the door, and he starts sprinting down the driveway. Pete's not a sprinter. He's not a sprinter. And when my dad's chilling in the house, in the front room, it's, um, it's the maximum amount that he's wearing is PJs. And, and then it's, it's less from there, depending on the day and the temperature. Um, and he's got these tattered um, uh, like slippers and he's running and he's sprinting down the driveway and they're kind of like flip-flopping about and he just looks silly and the neighbours see him and they're like, whoa, that man is old and running. And, um, and I'm, I'm standing at the end of the drive not knowing what's going to happen, but he grabs me and he hugs me and he squeezes me and he says, I love you, you're back, my boy's back. Yes, I, do you know what, I knew you'd come back, or at least I hoped you would, and we've, we've made you a feast. I love Mexican food, so it's like fajitas, chili, enchiladas, quesadillas, there's tortillas, there's salsa, guacamole, cheese, refried beans. I'm like, okay, cool, this is great. And he's like, come on, we're going to have a party. We're going to invite everybody. It's going to be so good. You're back. You're back. I love you. You're back. And I suddenly start to forget how I could, any picture of my dad being mad at me and suddenly, I remember, actually, my dad loves me. He's so proud of me. He says, I don't care that you've made a load of mistakes. And I'm thinking, but you don't know everything I've done. You don't know how I squandered your money. Or you don't know the decisions that I made or the mess that I found myself in. You don't know if I told you that would change it. And he says, no, it won't. No, it won't. I don't care. We'll fix some of the stuff that needs to be fixed. And if it can't be fixed, it's okay. I'll heal you anyway. I'll walk you through it. I'll hold your hand. You're safe. You're back. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. You'll always be in our family. And Jesus tells this story in a very similar way. And he tells that story because he wants us, people who want to take up this scary, exciting, world challenge, or actually, yeah, I think I want to follow you, Jesus, with my life. He tells us that we know when we mess up, when we decide, you know, if you guys get to the end of the week and something, something happens and you, and, and you lash out in anger, and I'm sure you're not angry people, right? I say that because I do that, right? Or, or, you, or you do something that you wish you didn't and you think, oh, no, I've been baptized, I need to be baptized again. It's okay. Jesus says, no, you don't. It doesn't change that you're in the family, it doesn't change that, okay? But you do need to make the decision every single day. You do still need to choose me. And that's where I want to land. Being a disciple means that you're given power to change the world. You're given his power to change the world. But you're given power also to change inside, to find excellence in soul. You're given authority to speak on behalf of the kingdom of God. You're given authority to enter into dark places and difficult situations and say there's a better way, you know, there's a better way. And you're now a citizen of the kingdom. That's what it means to be a disciple. And where I want to end, and I just want to pray for this briefly, is that there are people here who've never ever decided that actually, do you know, I want to... Follow Jesus. You've not actually made that decision. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe people have been advising you. Maybe you should think about it. Or you've gone on Alpha or whatever. But you've never gone actually lying in the sand. I've journeyed lots of different journeys. But now I want to journey with Jesus. And there are others, me included, who have made that decision. But we've got plenty of examples of where we've made the other choice we've chosen a different path. On your way here, you went a different path, maybe. And I want to pray for us all. And it's really simple. And um, We'll stand up, I'll pray, very quickly. These guys will lead us in some worship. And I just encourage you, as we're doing that, take the plunge. Follow Jesus. Listen to His voice. You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. No matter how far you think you've gone, it doesn't surprise, shock, scare or worry God at all. Let's stand.